The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I did not know him, but the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, On whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say it's a, it's a strange little gospel passage. It's, um, it's a perplexing one for us. I think in part because we find ourselves in this little um, time of perplexity. We're kind of transitioning out of epiphany, although we have epiphany themes, and we're trying to move more solidly into ordinary time. And, it, and this passage kind of incorporates uh, the confluence of all of these things. Um, so I don't know. We tried to, uh, uh, to give you the environment as, as well, this environment of, of transition, by, by giving you probably just about as much incense as, as we could, but it's not, um, it's not the frankincense that we had in previous weeks, so the church isn't as, as full. It's a kind of transitional experience, if you will. So we're, we're making our way now into ordinary time, but we see, these, we see these factors coming together. We see that this is also an, an epiphany scene. Yeah, there, is, there, is some, um, there are really three events in Jesus' life that we will consider epiphany, strictly speaking, but then we have some, some echoes or resonances, and, uh, and this, is, this is one of them as well. So this kind of revelation... John pointing out, John the Baptist pointing out that, that Jesus is here, and uh, the transition of, say, the movement of John the Baptist, that very popular movement, into the movement of God's anointed king, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus taking, taking the head, taking possession of that movement, and driving it on. That's all, that's all in this passage, that's all in this, you know, these, these days that we, that we celebrate after the Epiphany as we make our way into, um, well, what we might, what we celebrate to these days as ordinary time proper. So yeah, what do we have in this scene? There, there are three points really that I want to make. I know, right? Three points sounds kind of brief. You know, anyway, you're, you're, you're used to it at this point. But anyway, three points that, that I really want to make and to, that, um, that, are, uh, that are embedded in the text and I think uh, will, will help us likewise make this, make this transition that we see accomplished in the passage and that we're trying to celebrate liturgically. What are, what are John's first words? Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? Jesus, Jesus is pointed out as the Lamb of God. And here we're, we, are, uh, we need to hear that Jesus is the Lamb of sacrifice. Jesus will give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus will, will give his life to accomplish what the paschal sacrifice of old only foreshadowed. Jesus will spill his blood so that his blood now can, can adorn the doorposts of, uh, of our lips, our hearts, and our lives, so that we can pass from death to life. Right? I made a lot of allusions to the Old Testament there. 
I'll just move on. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to go back and explain all of them. But here it is, right? Jesus, the, the unblemished, spotless lamb who is giving his life for God's people so as to lead them from death to life. This is, this is um, the, John's pointing Jesus out as the lamb of God. Right? What, what else do we see? John says, I saw the spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, on whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is not only God's lamb, he is the one who will plunge us, baptize, right? He will plunge us into God's Spirit. This is powerful, right? And this is, again, a transition from the movement of John the Baptist, baptizing water, baptizing with water, symbolizing Israel's journey through the Red Sea into the Promised Land. In fact, kind of picking up the, the entire scope and sequence of that story. Now, not the exodus from, the, liber, the liberating exodus from, from Egypt into the Promised Land, the liberating exodus from our slavery to sin. Remember, Jesus offered as a sacrifice for sin. From sin to new life in Christ, to a life of freedom that only comes with our being children of God, dedicated to him, worshiping God as the very source and center of our lives and living out his call on our lives. This is, this is, tr this is true freedom. How do, how do we get from death to life? but by the baptism that Jesus affects, but by being baptized into his death and rising with him to new life. Is this, and this is, I mean, it's straight from the pages of, of the gospel. It's right from the letters of, of St. Paul. We even, we even celebrate it in the baptisms that we celebrate here in the church. We are to bury ourselves with Jesus. We are to, we are to have the old man in us drowned so as to rise with, with Jesus to, to his new life, to participate in his risen life that is totally dedicated to God and his purposes. Right? We, we are to make the journey. This is what it means for us to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Also more, we're plunged into the very life of God. We are participants in the, in the life of the Trinity. Does that sound high enough for us? I don't know. What, is it, what does it mean to say something like that? We're participants in the life of the Trinity. Well, we are sons and daughters in the Son of God. So just as Jesus, well, we know Jesus and Jesus knows himself to be, to everything, everything he has, everything he is, he receives from the Father. And he is begotten by the Father before all ages, right? He, he lives in the, he is part of the eternal exchange that is God, the God of glorifying love. Right? So everything he receives, he receives from the Father, to whom he makes a full return of everything he is and everything he has. We as sons and daughters in the Son of God, likewise are caught up into that exchange by the Holy Spirit to receive everything we have and are from God and to make a full return of everything we have and are to him. We're to live in that, in that exchange of persons, that great exchange of love that is the Trinity. This is what it means to be, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, okay? And now, that was, that was part two. I'm making my way. Part, <laughs> part three, okay? What is part three? It's right at the end. 
Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. And this does any number of things in this passage and in the, in the Gospel of John. When we hear Son of God, of course, we are, we're likely to think back to the prologue of John's Gospel where the Word becomes flesh and makes his dwelling, makes his dwelling among us. We're, we're inclined to see the incarnation of God. We're coming, coming out of that Christmas and Epiphany season. But here, in the, what, what would be seen in the next couple of chapters of John, if we were to stick with it, of course, we're going to Matthew next week, but if we were to stick with the Gospel of John, what we would see is that people come to see Jesus as he is. The Son of God is God's anointed king. This is the direct reference. There's another, there's another point of reference was from the first reading, where we see Israel is called God's beloved son. Well, Jesus is Israel in the flesh, right? He's, he's um, recapitulating in himself the story of Israel and bringing it to its proper conclusion. But here also he's known as God's son because he is God's anointed king, which means that he is at the head of God's renewal movement. Yet he's gone and taken on the sin of Israel in his baptism. He has gone and identified with them in their suffering, their poverty, their pain and brokenness and the rest. Now he is to lead his people into God's promised land. Commun what is God's promised land? It is communion with God, right? It's being caught up now in the, in the eternal exchange of glorifying love that God is, and it's enacting his works. It's bringing his kingdom to bear in the world, the kingdom of charity, a kingdom whose animating force is charity. A kingdom whose animating force is love, nothing other than love. Right, this, is, this is what it means now also for Jesus to be at the head of his people. Again, remarkable that John the Baptist is here pointing to Jesus saying, he's the Lamb of God. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He's God's anointed. Why? Because John the Baptist has the movement behind him. Right? He's the one who's got all the power. He's the one who's got all the popularity. And how quickly he points to Jesus, because he's totally given over to God and his purposes. And it's only because he's given over totally to God and his purposes that he can make that quick transition and uh, point Jesus out as the one who is at the head of the movement, right? It's like, I don't, to put it in such mundane terms really uh, still troubles me, but I, I think about these things like, okay, well, you know, how many, how many followers does, does John the Baptist have on any number of social media platforms? He's, yeah, for me, he's probably more popular than Cristiano Ronaldo, who's like, I don't know if he's still at the top, but it's like hundreds of millions of followers. I mean, this is the kind of popularity that John the Baptist had in that age. And what does he do? He, it's like he takes, he takes these hundreds of millions of followers and says, actually, you guys belong to him. I'm going to work my followers down to zero and he's going to end up with hundreds of millions of followers, right? Like I said, it's too, it's too mundane for me, but I don't know. You might, <laughs> I don't know. It, it works in some way. But how quick he was, because he wanted nothing more than to see the plan and purpose of God advance. What about us? What about us? Are we eager for the same? Or are we caught up in our, our own petty, uh, our own uh, I don't know, our own petty jurisdictions, our own, our own petty little worlds, you know, like, I want to control everything that I can control. Really? Or do we want to give everything over to Jesus, who's the rightful ruler of all, right? He's, he's either the Lord of all, or he is not the Lord at all. How does it work? How does it work? That's how it works, right? How does, how does the kingdom of God come to be? 
It comes to be by his people, those people called to him, who have received the call of God and are answering it for them to surrender themselves whole and entire to him and live totally for his purposes with his, with his spirit inspiring us and animating us in everything we do. Going out from, from here, from this place where these, the sacrifice of the lamb is represented so that we can offer ourselves in sacrifice to God. We can offer him the sacrifice of joy-filled hearts. We can offer him the sacrifice of, of, of our lives in the sacrifice of the Son. And offering the sacrifice of the Son, we're made prepared to receive his Holy Spirit, to have Jesus breathe new life into us here and now. And then we're sent out following God's anointed King and the world's true Lord. We're sent out with the power of his own life of love at work in us to have us committed to raising his world to new levels of justice, right? We want, to, we want to lift up God's fallen world. We want to heal his wounded world. And we do it by, by, this, by the surrender of our lives to Jesus, who is our true king. And we live like him in the cause of charity. Yeah, and I'll say, it just in closing, for me, always, the 11 o'clock mass, uh, you know, the, the, the care that we take to honor the Lord in liturgical action, making, making my way around the altar and being able to incense the crucifix, for me, is a real high point. Of course, it, when we talk about incense, the high point comes a little bit later when, when our thoroughfare will be able to uh, incense the Eucharist itself. Right? When we'll see that Jesus himself is given all, you know, all the praise we can muster. But what's so powerful about this is to say, I'm going to come here and bow before my Lord and King, here represented on the cross, right? So it's not simply that I get to say, Jesus is King, I'm going to follow him. It's that I know what the shape and character of his rule looks like. And I bow down before, the, before Jesus, God's anointed, revealed to us most fully as he is in his glory on the cross. That's the King I follow. And that's the, that's the King that my life has to give witness to. So we, again, we sum up, we sum up all, our, all our praise. We bring our whole heart to him. No matter where we are, we give him everything we've got in praise, in joy-filled, thank-filled praise. We turn our lives and our hearts over to him, and he gives us the strength to sustain us in the task. We're to give ourselves totally in the cause of love, totally in the cause of charity. And by, by the strength of his own life of love at work in us and working through us, we can do it.